Ah, the fresh scent of pine cones is in the air. That can only mean one thing. It's time for gin. We'll talk about this staple of liquors, and maybe one of us will actually enjoy the flavor. So come in and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Wow, it's like we were just listening to that music last night. It's been so long since I've talked to you guys. Whole hours. <laughs> hours. It's not even been a full, it wasn't even a full 24. <laughs> it's It's not. It's not. Jack Bauer could have, could have tortured and gotten information from at least a dozen people by now. Hmm. <laughs> I watched that show. I he saved either. the I country multiple the times. Name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so in the past twenty-four hours, uh, anybody getting anything spectacular? Everybody over watched, their hangovers. I watched <laughs> all of Iron Fist. Oh, so non-spoiler uh, summation. How how do you feel about it? It's good. It's it's not the strongest of them but it's still it's still enjoyable hmm. okay yeah that's as long as it has its place in the that sounds like i'm universe. underselling it but at the same time like I, I got some enjoyment i just can't separate certain things i enjoy from yeah it, i don't I, I have to get spoiler if i have to get into things that i may have had an issue with so right right but that's still a, a better review than we've seen about so there's been a lot more hate about it than I thought there was going to be. I was like, oh, yeah. mm. okay, but it's it, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> so Casey, how is uh, how are things up in the land of founders, especially with this time of year? Yeah, this time of year, I did well, was able to pick up that um, bomber, uh, actually larger than a bomber. I think it was a full liter of founders up Ooh. here, but I yeah. haven't seen any more since. Um, they were out of the four packs. Oh, the KBS, whenever right? I got to the, yeah, Which, so, sorry, KBS, not just founders, the founders <laughs> KBS. It was, a, it was a liter of all of founders beer <laughs> poured into one. It's delicious. One deliciousness, yes. Um, but yeah, so I've been kind of like poking my head around a little bit to see if I can find find some different things here or there. Um, haven't made it to a brewery this go around, but I was able to go to one of the local like watering holes, world uh, world of beer that they have here, and that was a trip. Um, yesterday I had some local stuff on on tap early on on St. Pat's Day, and uh, at that specific store they have like five hundred different bottles and, and drafts. Wow. So that was a, you know, pretty pretty good selection. 
and only three draft handles devoted to like American style, like normal Bud Miller Coors beer. Everything else was, you know, craft. Nice. We only need three: one for Bud, one for Miller, and one for Coors. <laughs> that was exactly what it was. Yeah, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Okay, uh, uh, I think we need to go ahead and do a couple of announcements here at the top. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess we do have announcements. Oh, um, yeah. Just a reminder. So we did mention that we talked. Uh, we it's been hours since we've all talked to each other. That is because we did a live video on DiamondClub.tv yesterday, uh, which was or Sunday day of recording yesterday uh <laughs> sunday um and that is going to be every other sunday uh at 6 p.m live for the video shows and um our, our one was about the guinness brewers project pack i have to keep remembering you that you can exact find name. out how we felt about that by watching the episode yes mm-hmm. yeah uh, it will be on youtube yes we get the videos up on youtube shortly after so if you don't get to watch it live you can check them out there However, if you do want to come watch them live, you get the entertaining pre and post show, and post show can get uh, kind of lengthy, Ramble. and <laughs> we're we're pretty pretty hammered when we get Ram- into post show. Rambly and slurry. Yes, yeah. yes, that would that would be how I describe myself. Um, it's my it's my Native American name. Ram- <laughs> rambles while slurs. But that's uh, six p.m. Eastern to uh, yes, yes. Um, and so the next one, uh, which is going to be March 26th, uh, Sunday, is going to be the Stone IPA pack. So that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that could be pretty That could be pretty neat. Um, and we've uh, also got a schedule up on the website now. Homepage, so you, oh, yeah. On the homepage. So as soon as you go to the website, uh, if you're wondering, because it is kind of confusing, we realized, unless you are, well, even if you are us, it's like, wait, <laughs> are we doing video this week? Are we doing audio? What? Yeah. What's going Someone on? Someone just... Someone just tells me what I'm supposed to do and whether I need to put a hat on or not. <laughs> the webcam need to be live? Nope. Okay. Pants or no pants? <laughs> that, yeah, that's... pretty much. <laughs> you can actually do that either way. Turns out, like nobody's saying the. It pants. could, but I may have to stand up at some point, I... and if I make a sound when doing so, it switches over to me, and then you just got a <laughs> camera yeah. lined up perfectly with uh, yeah. with my giblets. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yep. All right, and our next audio episode in two weeks, I believe we're going to be talking about uh, Beers of England. So, and that one, after our initial uh, research, promises to be another lengthy one. Hopefully we don't have to break that into two, though. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We'll try, to, we'll try to edit a little harder. It'll be a bit of a glossing the, over. The doc, not, not the actual editing. Yeah. It gets edited just fine. <laughs> All right, well, let's keep this train going and get into news. Uh, so we just celebrated a holiday yesterday. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, which everyone drinks Guinness. And it's they the most do. popular. Well, they actually have a current ad campaign going to try and make them the most popular beer in the world. But when you have a uh, pub doing this, it's hard to keep that going. A uh, Vancouver pub annoyed an entire country with a poorly poured pint of Guinness. And yes, the picture, oh my God, it is I'm, horrific. Like I'm this, getting pretty angry right now. Really? This pint will haunt my dreams. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying into this hype on this end. It doesn't bother me that much. It, it's oh. it didn't at first, but the more I look at it, the more I'm like, why? 
You <laughs> if knew. Nothing, if nothing else, you feel sticky and like yeah. <laughs> you okay. wipe something. I'll down. give you that. I'll give you that. So I'm it was a promotional. Pick that up. Although I'm... I do keep looking over, going, "What? What is that deep fried thing over in the?" I know, park? right? Like deep fried pickles, maybe. <laughs> something like that, but it's okay. It was for a pub in Vancouver, and they did a Facebook event and tweeted this out. And for it, there was a picture of an overflowing pint of Guinness next to some little fried concoction that they're going to be serving for St. Patrick's Day. And <laughs> I'll get to the story here. Dan Olson, owner of Railtown Cafe in Vancouver, woke up on Tuesday morning to find his phone <laughs> inundated with angry messages from the good people of Ireland. The, tar- the target of the rage, a photo of a badly poured pint of Guinness posted to the pub's Facebook page to promote its upcoming St. Patrick's Day celebrations. Uh, quote, there was some irate people up there, and believe me, there were some colorful comments. <laughs> Let's just say that Jesus Christ was brought into brought into it on more than one occasion. Uh, one comment actually said that Jesus wept when he saw our pint of Guinness. <laughs> Maybe he did. Yeah. Olsen admits it was a really terrible pour. <laughs> It was coming out I of thought, a... I thought when I saw this story in the dock, when I just saw badly poured uh, Guinness, that this was going to be a different news story. Right, right. <laughs> we decided to take it a different way. Uh, it was coming out of a can. It was frothing over the tip like you'd find a Budweiser in a tailgate commercial, he said. So instead of cascading up to have a nice proper head like a Guinness is supposed to, it was a mess. Well, there you go. It was coming out of the can. Even those but, nitro cans don't do well. Right, but here's my question. Why post it? Yeah, redo it. <laughs> just just hand it off to somebody, let them drink it, and then go again. Did he only have the one can of Guinness? Because That's a different problem. Then you have a different problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Irish He's not prepared for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> the Irish independent newspaper branded it sacrilegious. Well, the Irish Mirror said it caused Irish people everywhere to grimace in disgust. I don't... This makes it seem like every Irishman and woman, like, saw it at the same time and just went... They were taken back. They were aghast. Uh, (gasps) We really annoyed an entire country, Olsen said. There are all kinds of pictures. Of it, uh, but they did redo it. The picture was not representative of us. We actually do know how to pour a Guinness. Hmm. It was it was a mistake, and we take full responsibility for it. The Railtown Cafe oh, is now extending a booze-soaked olive branch to the citizens of Ireland. Anyone with a valid Irish passport who swings by the pub on St. Patrick's Day, well, yesterday, uh, would have gotten a free pint of nicely poured Guinness and a shot of Jameson whiskey to boot. Jeez. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Again, and then they have the new picture down there where they redid it. And it looks why not? Nice. Why not post that one <laughs> the first time? Did, was it really just like, no, no, ain't got time. First take or no take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, oh, God, I just, it looks bad. Honestly, when I look at it, someone thought they were thinking of a bad Bud Light commercial where you have the head frothing over the top and, kind of cascading down in the side of the glass and not that Guinness where there's room left for the head to just start coming up to the rim. It, uh, I don't know. It bothers me. 
Yeah, the I, I'm looking at the other the the reposted picture now. Going, all feels right. Yeah, you look at that now. one. It's like, mm, yes, that's that's nice. That that, that nice. nice, 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 nice. All right, uh, that's enough on that. Let's get into the next story here. Uh, seems Heavy Seas has a new captain. Uh, Dan Kopman has been tapped as CEO over at Heavy Seas Beer. Uh, Heavy Seas Beer today Dan, announced Dan Kopman. That's a familiar name. It where might, have I, where it have might, I heard of him before? It might be a little familiar. Uh, Heavy Seas Beer today announced that industry veteran Dan Kopman, who co-founded the St. Louis Brewery, makers of Schlafly Beer, will take over as the Baltimore Brewery's new CEO on May 1st. The announcement mm. comes just three months after Kopman, because I don't know if you remember, we did cover the story of him leaving, uh, who launched Schlafly in 91 with partner Tom Schlafly said he would depart the St. Louis Brewery at the end of 2016. And I think we had a real heavy-handed uh, article Wondering. that we were going through about that as to why he may be leaving. There were uh, heavy indications that maybe they were selling out that still hasn't come to fruition. Like, we don't know. It, uh, so far, it just looks like he was leaving, and then he ended up finding a job elsewhere. I'd like to think that he went to Heavy Seas. He's become their CEO just so he can change their 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 logo. Heavy Seas is an iconic Baltimore favorite and a great brand that is well positioned for future success throughout the eastern U.S. and beyond. Kopman said via a release, uh, the brewery has established commitment to quality and passionate culture built around both and yeah around both love for great craft beer and their community. Kopman, who joins Heavy Seas organization as general manager Patrick Helsel, steps down and relocates to California, will report to brewery founder Hugh Sisson. Sison? Sure. It'd be better if his name was Session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sison, meanwhile, will continue to serve as full-time managing partner and play a very active role in the business, according to a company statement. Uh, with Pat leaving, we are fortunate to get someone with Dan's level of experience in the industry. Uh, Sison said in a release, he adds depth to our team and will ensure great continuity for the future development of Heavy Seas brand under Kopman's leadership. Uh, production of Schlafly beer grew to 60,000 barrels and sales eclipsed $20 million in 2015. In 2012, Kopman and partner Tom Schlafly sold a majority stake of the brewery to Sage Capital, a St. Louis-based private equity firm. So <laughs> we were talking about it in the pre-show as Justin brought up, one of his first points of business needs to be changing the logo. Look, Heavy Seas makes some good beer. That logo, every time <laughs> I look at it, I go, this is awful. It is dog crap. It looks it looks like what a major, like a huge corporation yeah. thinks a craft beer logo should be. Yeah. And when we first started stumbling across Heavy Seas beers, that's what we thought. Mm-hmm. We're like, this has to be like ABM Bev owned, like something someone just concocted in a board meeting somewhere because it it is terrible you can have two of the four pirate things that are in this logo not all of them you can pick the eye patch the skull and crossbones the hat the yeah the hat the bandana actually there's five because the font for heavy seas have any two of those five things there's just too much going on in that logo Mm -hmm. it's and it's all extremely cartoony yeah. 
I've... Whereas their bottle art is normally so great. It... Yeah, like I look down and I see the bottle art and it looks amazing. It looks like someone just stuck a little cartoony sticker right on there. Yeah, it they need it doesn't match anything at all with what they're going for for their stuff. So. They need to get with the artists that they're using for their bottle art and get them to redo their logo. Oh, yeah. Because all uh, the bottle art looks like it's come off of uh, scroll work or parchment. Like, it looks really nice. Which which fits with this idea of, you know, like the heavy seas. If you're wanting this this pirate-ish theme, you can do that. But, you know, do it a little more subtle, I guess. Yeah. Uh, my, my only real thought to this, agreeing with you completely on the logo thing, though, I cannot get past that he looks like some odd combination of the 90s version of Billy Crystal or John Lovitz. More John Lovitz. Yeah, John I was Lovitz trying to decide. Billy... I, was going, I was like looking up pictures of both of them. And I'm just like, John Lovitz if he had Billy Crystal's hair in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Does. I, I think a touch of Bob Ross in there, really. Oh, the yeah. Guy. Well, yeah. See, yeah. I was thinking he's got a little Jonah Hill in there as well. Well, no, yeah, I mean, Bob, that's... Yeah. Bob Ross for the choice in clothes, but Jonah Hill is basically... It's basically John Lovitz or... John Lovitz and, and Billy Crystal. Yeah, it's yeah. their love child. Yeah, <laughs> no. put on a lot of extra... <laughs> it's not fair. I'm, I'm Look not... Look up, like, a good myself. 80s picture. of Jonah Hill. No, and he's lost a lot of weight, too. Uh, look up a good 80s picture of John Lovitz and put him next to this guy. It's nuts. Sorry. <laughs> uh uh, anyway, yeah, I, I do think this could be a good thing though for Heavy Seas getting back to, you know, not making fun of their logo or or him. Right, right. Uh, oh yeah, like because he, there's great beer coming for, out. He did good work for Schlafly, um, and while you know that doesn't necessarily mean he was in charge of like, you know brewing decisions necessarily, but he can help the 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 business grow. So that you know. Oh yeah, and it it seems like with their availability. They really just need something to make them pop. They're doing good beer. They have the distribution. It's just something like you don't get the word of mouth over their beers. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a tragedy because I've had nothing but fantastic beers from them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully this gets it into to more people's hands because every time, like the first few times I heard of them, I kept going, the heck is a heavy seas? Yeah. I want people to like to actually go like, no, let's you know, let's let's try this. Yeah, because if you think of well, a pirate themed beer, as you're gonna think of Ballast Point. It wasn't even until probably we got the 21 year storm that I really started looking into them. Yeah. Yeah, that was when I that was their 20th anniversary beer. Yeah. And yeah. that's it took that long for even us to take notice. So, I mean, they've locally done they've made a big success in their home market, in, but in their def- in their defense. A large portion of those 20 years, we weren't allowed to drink. That's <laughs> very true. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and stumble into this last story here. Uh, Stone Brewing creates beer with recycled water. So, <laughs> uh, Recycled how? <laughs> Stone Brewing is breaking new ground by becoming the first to try making beer using water that, quotes, comes from the toilet. Okay, someone has watched Idiocracy yeah. too many times and they made yeah. this thing. Like from the toilet? Water? Like from the toilet? I've read that. That was all that came to mind. I was like, no, nah, we've got to do this. This, <laughs> Their new water be filled with electrolytes. <laughs> it's what drugs crave. <laughs> it's what drugs it's crave. What drugs crave. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not wrong. On Thursday at the Stone Brewing location at Liberty Station, uh, San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer was among the first to drink the full circle pale ale. 
I believe that name might already be copywritten by New Holland. They have a oh, yeah. full circle pale ale. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Stone Brewing Senior Manager of Brewing and Innovation, Steve Gonzalez, created the beer that uses recycled water, and it ended up being one of his favorites. He was skeptical at first to brew it with recycled water from the Pure Water San Diego program. Now Gonzalez said, among the pale ales that I've made, it's probably in the top three. After taking a drink, uh, Falconer called the beer delicious. Gonzalez said those who drink the beer will get some caramel notes, some tropical fruit notes. It's a very clean-tasting beer. I Okay. Well, one, you have to specify it's clean-tasting because they're recycling the water. But, again, I'm unclear about what this recycled water thing is. Okay, it's... Um... I don't live in San Diego. I don't know what they're talking about. This article doesn't go into it completely. Um, it is from a sewage treatment plant. Okay. So this is sewage that has been, I guess, extensively filtered. And... Waterworld style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It went over plants. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, some of the... <laughs> event... beer gives, this beer gives you gills, so you can... <laughs> You can make a disappointing movie. They're talking about the yeah. event uh, in which they offered it up. Some of the event had reservations before trying it, but beer taster Shane Trussell said, uh, I thought that it would have had an off taste or be something different. It's outstanding. Uh, other drinkers said they love it. For those who may be on the fence about giving the full circle pale ale a sip, Gonzalez said, try it first. I suppose you won't be disappointed. Uh, Full Circle Pale Ale is not yet for sale, but Stone Brewing is hoping to make it available soon. The Pure Water San Diego program will eventually clean enough wastewater to provide one-third of San Diego's water supply. So there was another article about this I was reading, and they actually say that this water, since it's so extensively purified, is actually cleaner than the water they currently use to brew any of their other beer. Absolutely. I I wouldn't doubt that one bit. Yeah, this this is where my brain is trying to get its head around... Would I drink it? Yeah, and it. it's 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 me running through the thing because you know, remember I won't drink the beer that people spit in. Right, right. So uh, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, so it came from sewage, but it's been filtered. Lots. But has it been filtered enough? They say yes, but they would want to say yes hmm. because otherwise I wouldn't drink it. So. Like it, it, there's a certain amount of of my own neuroses in play here, and I'm just trying to figure out would I do that? And so, I want to say yes, but I'm also a crazy person. <laughs> there is, um, they actually do have to go through regulatory uh, processes to make sure that it is clean enough for them to basically put give it back to you to drink. Um, so there are there are checks and balances for this system. I knew that they had been doing this for a long time. A lot of time they would a lot of times they would process it and then they would put it back out directly into a, a reservoir. They put it over into a, a, you know, basically it would filter into the land um, into a river system or something. Um, but now that this system has been, been tested, they're allowed to actually hand it straight from the, that processing to an individual. I still it, don't know was if it, it's was it kid tested and mother approved, uh, mother approved <laughs> kicks. Um, I still don't know if they've allowed it. 
this may be still in the planning stages um, because I know they've gotten to like 2018 to, of approvals still to get for this system to make it be like, okay, yeah, you can brew beer with it, but maybe you can't just take it off the tap and, and go and drink without going through the brewing process. Yeah, that's. Uh, there's no indication as to when this beer is going to be readily available. I yeah. think it was just like a test batch that they had at this event. So it yep. could be a number of years before we actually see sixers of this sitting on the shelf. Yeah, and it'll probably be it'll probably be a gimmicky type thing um, for the first little bit, uh, you know, and then it'll get to the point where there, there are breweries I think that are looking at to do their entire brew process with recycled water. I mean, yeah. that just seems easier for them. But Stone yeah. do a gimmicky beer? Never. The devil <laughs> you say. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some things in Untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son! A lot of people getting riggedy, riggedy, wrecked. <laughs> Things so... or thing? <laughs> thing, yes. Uh, actually, there are no new badges not pertaining to the holiday we just celebrated, so they're all pretty much defunct now, and you can't get them. So, Or we've already talked about them. But there is another thing going on that I felt really bad that we weren't ahead of it, but I completely forgot. Uh, Untapped Brewery Madness. We covered it briefly last year, and it's back again. Uh, Beer companion to that other bracket. So what this does is, using Untapped check-ins, they uh, matched up breweries that are roughly on the same level. Uh, Some of them really aren't. Some of them uh, are just yeah, downright unfair. Like, some of the well, it, they do it like they do the the brackets for the uh, you know for the the, the sweet uh, for the the NCAA you know in your yep. sweet sixteens and your elite eights. So you know you have your number one breweries in a region matched up with the number sixteenth. So New Belgium went against uh, Spolnitz. So you Spolnitz. can bet who won that round. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. Spolnitz. So. Yeah, Spalzel. Sorry, yeah, I have no idea how to say that. So, also on your round one, which is March sixteenth to seventeenth, check-ins. So, what this does is it puts them together, and check-ins during this time period are the score. So, check-ins on Untapped become the score. What and not and not scores. So, uh, you know, a five star doesn't give you more check-ins than a four star. No, just 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 check-ins. Pure check-ins. So, So which in. You know, whatever it, with this, it's however many times somebody drinks that beer, which I just think is a little unfair. But yeah, just because... imagine if basketball games had scores like these check-ins. <laughs> yeah. So, round one takes place March sixteenth to seventeenth. So, what, what, what holiday falls in this time period? Which, which brewery might have a uh, unfair advantage because Are you of saying a holiday? That number three ranked Guinness. Uh, going against number fourteen ranked Green Flash was going to have an unfair advantage in that in that setup. Yeah, out of the entire round, they did double what the next highest did. No one else came close because of St. Patrick's Day. Jeez, <laughs> who could have yeah. seen Green Flash stood no chance there. <laughs> Boston Beer Company. So Sam Adams came in with about half of the number of check-ins that Guinness did. Yeah, Guinness uh, came in with 4,502 yeah, check-ins. New Belgium, Stone, all the other like uh, top-ranked ones that, that won are about half-ish uh, of what Guinness was. Yeah, I mean, when you go through these, it's 
kind of, I want to say unfair, but I mean, I get it. Because you have a lot of breweries who have the distribution platform to get mass check-ins versus people who don't. Is it really any more or less fair than the actual NCAA where winning teams have better programs to recruit better players? And so the the little underdog isn't going to win. They're going to get destroyed. (laughs) The parallels are very, like I didn't even consider some of these parallels. It's great. But you have like three Floyds going against the Alchemist. Who has the bigger distribution platform? Three Floyds. Who has the most notoriety? The Alchemist. Yeah. But three Floyds did what? More than double what the Alchemist did. I just... This isn't even sports this time, and I'm still just not interested in brackets. <laughs> like, I just... I'm just like, anyway, I don't care. I just want to drink something. Don't but, worry. One... We're on round two right now. This is so. If you want to support, well, by the time this actually makes it out, we'll be going into quarterfinals. Yeah. But round two, uh, New Belgium is going up against Great Lakes, so that's happening 18th and 19th. So that yeah, by the, while we're recording, this is kind of wrapping New up. New Belgium's going to take that one. There's there's no way they they yeah. lose to Great Lakes in that setup. I think just based on yeah. uh, availability, right? Yeah, I, I think I mean. we can. I think we can go ahead and make some assumptions actually on who's going to be in the March, the March sections there, um, the thirty, the twenty fifth or twenty sixth, and the thirty first or the first. I figure it's probably going to be Stone in New Belgium. Yep, it'll be most likely Firestone. I think. Well, we could victory. victory. We, yeah, we could check in because our next uh, audio episode records just before the uh, championship round. Okay, yeah, 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 we'll we'll check yeah. back in then. Uh, yeah, going in this list, I think we'll see. Next matchup be Dogfish, Dogfish and, and Guinness. maybe Guinness again. Guinness got that huge shoot out the, the, the gate, but um, they're going up against Evil Twin right now. So I think after you get through this big Guinness, nobody's going to want to check into Guinness for a few more months. So yeah. Evil Twin may actually get it. Yeah, Guinness that's the one I think have Evil a trickle Twin may in. have an edge where just everyone's just Guinness to out. But yeah. all the number three ranked ones do do typically have a, a higher number than what evil tw- uh, a higher number of yep. check-ins than what evil twin had. You don't so think yep. f- that's one that up? could theoretically go either way. Yeah. yeah, if you say that the pre-St. Patrick's Day Guinness baseline will stay the same, Guinness should win it. If oh, no. people don't drink Guinness after St. Pat's Day um, or they've got extra left over in the fridge. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And you've also got uh, uh what is one of them I was looking at uh, like Founders is going to take Wicked Weed. Just yeah. again. Oh, just based based on distribution. Distribution. And probably go up against Sierra Nevada. Well, and I was going to yeah. say because of KBS Day, but then that's not until the first. And this is, you know, what? This is going to be finished before then. If Founders goes to the championship, uh, KBS national release will push them to be the oh, champion. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. It finishes on the third. April 2nd to 3rd. If they make it to there, it'll. they could because you had the Michigan release, which has bumped check ins. Like if you jump over and look at uh, global top beers right now. Uh, KBS is one, two, three, four, five, six. Casey, did you see the round two matchup down at the bottom? We've got Cigar City versus Bell's Brewery. Yeah, you know who I'll be rooting for, but <laughs> I know who will win. Right. Yeah, that yeah, was. You know who's going to win? Well, you just can't get the Cigar City stuff, and you know. That's well, yeah, that's the biggest problem. And Bell's just announced uh, distribution into Mexico, hmm. so they are now shooting south of the border with their beers. So with L check-ins. <laughs> chickens we'll probably see ballast point going up against brew dog we'll probably see it's gonna be a toss-up between Deschutes and three floyds 
And it's going to be a toss-up between Anheuser-Busch and Oscar Blues, I think. Yeah, Oscar Blues being like the biggest, one of the biggest craft brands out there. Well, so Oscar actually, Blues is not, not craft, right? well, not craft anymore. So Oscar yeah. Blues got bought out. Didn't they get bought out by AB and Bev? Or am I no. wrong on that? Uh, Miller Coors? Uh, no, Miller sure, but there is internet. I think they went to, uh, yeah, if someone else wants to crack that, but I think they actually, um, I think it's like an equity firm because Oscar yeah. Blues has turned around and they now own, I think, half of Cigar City. That Maybe that was it. They bought Cigar City. That was what it was was possibly they also uh, i did not know this they own Perrin brewing company which is majority, right here majority stake of oscar blues sold to fireman capital partners okay. uh, as of may 22nd 2015 from a forum article on beer advocate so take all of that with as many grains of salt as ne needed no yeah, i think i think firm. that's probably but so, they did also buy uh cigar city, cigar city. Yeah, and, but it was Oscar Blues who bought Cigar City. Which is, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm fine with seeing things like this happen, like these craft brands kind of coming together in such a way. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll help them, because if you're looking at the check-ins, AB InBev, Anheuser-Busch, has a big boost with St. Patrick's Day as well, because, like, the dyed green beer is usually, like, Bud Light or something. It's something, yeah, that's easy to... So and their hey, check-ins. It's, it's not even Bud Light. It's yeah. not even Bud Light. It's, it's like usually it's like Natty or something. Natty, the cheapest yeah. beer you can get. Yeah. So Oscar Blues was leading on the St. Patrick's Day round. So I mean, they have a strong chance to take out the big dog there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it'll be interesting to see Rogue and Sierra Nevada, but I believe Sierra Nevada is gonna be able to just right. yeah. for distribution take them. Now, some of the, the closer ones, like, say, uh, Three Floyds and Deschutes or uh, and Ladders, um, Victory and tra uh, Dregs. I don't know how to say it. I never know how to say it. I love their beer. I never know how to say it. And, like, Firestone and Trillium, those could be some, some close matchups. But, mm -hmm. you know, Avery versus Boston beer. No, Avery's getting decimated. I, <laughs> I was mean... surprised Avery was on there. No, I think that's appropriate. Avery's oh, yeah. got some Avery, distribution. Yeah, Avery, Avery being about to say, like, there's one beer of theirs I didn't super care for, but the rest of their stuff, I'm all, you know, I've I've actually enjoyed most of it. So I had to look up mm. Trillium. I've never heard of this before. Oh yeah, Trillium so in two locations in Massachusetts. Yeah, they're oh, huge. Yeah. Huh. I kept Trillium thinking, gonna... I, I kept seeing that name and expecting Zafoid people Brocks to be nearby. Mm. No, um, yeah, they've got some really good. Like, I think their white beer is is a really pretty. Widely distributed beer. Um, I think I had them a couple times in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Well, yeah. Okay. So then their distribution must be just along the Northeast. Huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much any of our listeners would be able to, to affect the outcome of this, but if you want to feel like you're contributing. Yeah. Make oh, sure yeah. You can, you can contribute to this because um, it's chickens. We'll, we'll post this link, obviously, in the show notes so that you guys can check out the brackets for yourselves. Kind of look around a bit. Next year, we're gonna do our best to 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 see if we can find like an early version of the brackets so we can uh, try to make our own guesses. But I mean, this seems like a very easily done by the numbers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not that difficult, but I like it, and hopefully next year I'll get ahead of it, <laughs> and it won't, we won't we won't be so late getting to talk about it. All right. All right. So cool. I believe we actually have a topic to get into. The devil, you say. <laughs> Been on that drunk! Been on that drunk! 
You don't know me, episode. You don't know my life. I mean, last night we were. Yeah, it wouldn't have been appropriate then. Um, all right. Uh, so, yes, today we are talking about not beer, but uh, a spirit. Uh, specifically. <laughs> yes, we should, we should have something like that playing every time um, on the spirit episodes. <laughs> Uh, so gin, uh, gin is a spirit. It derives from uh, its predominant flavor from juniper berries. So I came really close to going. What happened to Jim? Oh, gin. Gin <laughs> is a spirit. Enunciate. Uh, gin is one of the broadest categories of spirits, represented by products of various origins, styles, and flavor profiles. That all revolve around juniper as a common ingredient. Um, so there's a bunch of different styles, um, but apparently the European Union differentiate uh, into four categories for gin. Juniper flavored spirit drinks, which is like the most generic sounding term that they probably could have come up with. These aren't spirit drinks. <laughs> These are spirit drinks. <laughs> no. oh. uh, um, okay, so this one includes the earliest class of gin, which is produced by pot distilling a fermented grain mash to moderate strength, which is about 68% ABV, uh, and then redistilling it, <laughs> redistilling it with botanicals to extract the aroma comp- or aromatic compounds. Uh, it must be bottled at a minimum of 30% alcohol by volume. Juniper ve- flavored spirit drinks may also be sold under the names, good lord, uh, Vockholder and Ginebra, Ginebra, Ginebra. Ginebra. Okay, and then there's also uh, just gin, um, which is a juniper-flavored spirit uh, made not via the redistillation of botanicals, but by simply adding approved natural flavoring substances to a neutral spirit of agricultural origin. The predominant flavor (laughs) must be juniper, though. No matter matter what, juniper is the key here. Um, Distilled gin is produced exclusively by redistilling ethanol of agricultural origin, with an initial strength of 96% ABV. Jesus. Yeah, um, which is of water and ethanol. In stills, traditionally used for gin, in the presence of juniper berries and other natural botanicals, provided that the juniper taste is predominant. Gin obtained simply by adding uh, essences or flavorings to ethanol of agricultural origin is not distilled gin. I love the agricultural origin, like as opposed to... <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, As opposed to, uh, can you get can you get petroleum based alcohols? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that yeah, that would be the other way to go. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I don't know. To, I'm, not... I'm gonna go up to space. I'm gonna start mining asteroids for a yeah. for non alcohol origin. and then bring it down. It'll be extraterrestrial origin. Nice. Just to have it in there. Um, okay, so finally, then there's a London gin. Uh, obtained exclusively from ethanol of agricultural origin with a maximum methanol content of 5 grams per hectoliter of 100% ABV equivalent, or about 50% 50 proof, um, whose flavor is introduced exclusively through the redistillation in traditional stills of ethanol in the presence of all the natural plant materials used, the resultant distillate of which is at least 70% ABV. London gin may not contain added sweetening exceeding 0.1 grams of sugar per liter of the final product, nor colorants, nor any added ingredients other than water. The term London gin may be supplemented by the term dry. 
In the EU, uh, the minimum bottled alcoholic strength for gin, distilled gin, and London gin is 37.5% alcohol by volume. So, uh, in the U.S., gin is defined as an alcoholic beverage of no less than 40% ABV, or 80 proof, that possesses the characteristic flavor of juniper berries. Gin produced only through distillation or redistillation of aromatics with an alcoholic wash can be further distinguished and marketed as gin, or distilled gin. So, it sounds like this right here, we want... Most likely, the the best gins out there, and probably the most expensive gins, are going to be London gins or London dry gins. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems. It would be like uh, 100% agave tequilas gotcha. versus something else. That makes sense. Versus Jose Cuervo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically. Jose Cuervo! Um. Oh, I wonder if... Going back to the agricultural ethanol of agricultural origin, I wonder if you did pure sugar... And use that to make the alcohol instead of like a grain, mm. if that oh. would count as. Because he said pure sugar, like wouldn't you get sugar from sugarcane right. farm? But... Right, but that would be uh, if you use the sugarcane, that would be an agricultural product. But pure sugar, refined sugar, I don't know. Like that, I, I want to look into that. Hmm. Yeah, that's getting to some tricky things. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of legalese in there for gin. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so to finish that area off, uh, some legal classifications define gin as only originating from specific geographical areas um, without any further restrictions. So like it says Plymouth gin, um, Ostfreischer, Corn Jennifer, uh, Slovenska Bravokia or Borovica, uh, Krasky Brinjevec. Uh, and, and so on. <laughs> uh, while well, other well. common, <laughs> while other common descriptors refer to classic styles that are culturally recognized but not legally defined. Well done. Well done. <laughs> well done indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Since I got some of the words now. <laughs> you. Uh, yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> All right. Let's get into uh, some production methods. So. Several different techniques for the production of gin have evolved since its early origins, uh, this evolution being reflective of ongoing modernization in distillation and flavoring techniques. As a result of this evolution, gins can be broadly differentiated into three basic styles. Whether they taste like pine cones, <laughs> pine needles, or pine saw. <laughs> or straight pine tree. Like yes, that. exactly. Uh, no, the first is pot distilled. Uh, pot distilled gin represents the earliest style of gin and is traditionally produced by pot distilling. Who would have thought? <sighs> a, f- <laughs> a fermented grain mash, uh, malt wine, from barley and or other grains, then redistilling it with flavoring botanicals to extract the aromatic compounds. The fermentation of grain uh, mash produces a neutral alcohol similar to vodka. That is I wish pro- I had I wish I had introduced uh the phrase introduced like the word of the day from uh like Pee Wee's Playhouse for <laughs> oh, flavoring <yeah>. botanicals. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, the fermentation of grain mash produces a neutral alcohol that is predominantly tasteless except for the iconic ethyl alcohol taste. Uh, a double gin can be produced by redistilling the first gin again with more botanicals. Due to the use of pot stills, the alcohol content of the distillate is relatively low, around 68%. Uh, 
um, for a single distilled gin or 76% ABV for a double gin. This type of gin is often aged in tanks or wooden casks and retains a heavier malty flavor that gives it a marked resemblance to whiskey. Ooh. Mm. Uh, it's weird to think of like a, a, a whiskey-like gin. Yeah, really. Uh, corn whinge, a grain wine, and uh, ode style or old style of Geneva gin or Holland gin uh, represent the most prominent gins of this class. Our next one's going to be column distilled. Column distilled gin evolved following the invention of uh, the coffee still. I believe it's how you say it? <laughs> I mean, we're just still in coffee now. I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, it is produced by first distilling high proof, ninety six percent ABV, neutral spirits from a fermented mash or wash using a refluxing still, such as a column still. The fermentable base for this spirit may be derived from grain, sugar beets, grapes, potatoes, sugar cane, plain sugar. There you go, sugar cane or plain sugar, mm. or mm. any other material of agricultural origin. So they do consider plain sugar of agricultural origin. So then we need to look and see if uh, if you can get alcohol out of petroleum. Then <laughs> <laughs> plastic sugar. Oh God! There's no way that could be good. Oh, uh, the the highly concentrated spirits then redistilled with juniper berries and other botanicals in a pot still. Uh, most often, botanicals are suspended in a gin basket positioned within the head of the still, which allows the hot alcoholic vapors to extract flavoring components from the botanical charge. Okay, so it's like a steamer basket that it's not like boiling down in the bottom. It's actually like in the head at the top of the uh, still, and the vapors are just passing by and picking up the extra flavors. Yeah. All I'm wondering now is if if this is the kind of uh, if this is the still the uh, style of still they used in mash to make <laughs> to make their gin. I believe theirs is probably more along the lines of the still they were using in um, Steve McQueen movie where they're prisoners of war. Oh, yeah. Oh, The Great Escape? Yes, Great Escape. When for 4th of July they make a ton of uh, moonshine. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we, I really want to know like, if someone has like broken down fictional <laughs> you know, still setups. Yeah. There's got to be a and, video and series work. Sounds like uh, something you could do. All right, uh, this method yields a gin lighter in flavor than the old pot still method and results in either distilled gin or London dry gin, depending largely upon how the spirit is finished. Uh, We're getting our last one here. Compound gin is made by simply flavoring neutral spirits with the essence of other natural flavorings without redistillation and is not as highly regarded as distilled gin. Popular botanicals or flavoring agents for gin besides the required juniper often include citrus elements such as lemon and bitter orange peel, as well as a combination of other spices, which may include any of uh, anise. anise, angelica root and seed, uh, orris root, licorice root, cinnamon, almond, gosh, there's a yeah. lot of these, lime peel, grapefruit peel, dragon eye, saffron, like you can do a lot. <laughs> Frankincense, myrrh. You just went to Grains of Paradise. We see those a lot. Yeah. Um, 
Nutmeg. Also, the anise is either anise or anise. I've heard it both ways. I don't know. Uh, the different long, combinations, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the different combinations and concentrations of these botanicals in the distillation process cause the variations in taste among gin products. Uh, chemical research has begun to identify the various chemicals that are extracted in the distillation process and contribute to gin's flavoring. For example, uh, juniper. See, it's my turn. Monoterpenes. Monoterpenes, sure. Come from juniper berries. Uh, citric flavors come from chemicals ooh, such as limonene and gamma terpenine. Lionel, uh, man. <laughs> uh, spice like flavors come from chemicals such as, yeah, these weird three Delta three, carine. Delta three, carine. Carine. Delta three, carine. <laughs> sure. And parasimine. So no, these. The I think one of those. I think one of those was uh was the guy who played in the TV show Kung Fu. Yeah, sure. yeah. And so, Caridine, yeah. here's here's the thing about this. And and here goes my rant. Um, sure. you, okay. can, you can have your cup of coffee and come back in five minutes. Ranting but coming. Back with some ice. The chemical research on this. This isn't just for. You know, it's not just for. Oh, we just want to learn. It's so that. Let's figure out a way that we can make this more artificially flavored than it is already. It's let's find a way to do this cheaper. Yeah. Or yeah. this recipe is distinct and therefore it is ours and no one else can use it. It could that could be <laughs> if that's way. the case, then you know, I'm okay with, with having a distinct recipe that you kinda want to protect, but um I have a feeling like this is not that yeah, that that's not the case. This is not this. All right. Well, we have a little bit about the history of of gin. Uh, the Dutch physician Franciscus Silvus is often falsely credited as the inventor of gin in the mid 17th century, although the existence of Green ever confirmed Philip Massinger. Uh, Massinger's play, The Duke of Milan, uh, 1623, when Silvus would have been about nine years old. So probably not there. Yeah, so probably not, yeah. <laughs> or an enterprising nine-year-old. We don't know. Uh, it's further claimed that uh, English soldiers who provided support in Antwerp against the Spanish in 1858 during the 80s years, 80 years war. 1585. Were, 1585. I'm sorry. I've been drinking a little bit stronger than normal, and so... Yeah, um, we were uh, sorry during the eighties years. Eighty years war, uh, we're already drinking Jennifer for its calming effect before battle. Get you drunk. It'll get you uh, drunk. <laughs> for which the term Dutch courage is believed to originate. <laughs> I've never heard the term Dutch courage. Really? I would be surprised if it, it had lasted four hundred years. Uh, <laughs> Not Dutch courage, no. That's like, I haven't heard. Like, I've heard liquid courage, you know, Irish courage. Maybe if you're drinking whiskey, but all right, whatever. Uh, the earliest known written reference to Jennifer appears in 19. Uh, the, sorry, the 13th century encyclopedic work, Der Naturen Bloem, Burgess. Uh, it was the earliest printed recipe for Jennifer, uh, dating from the 16th century work from Ein Kostelik. Distiller book. Sure, yeah. Uh, oh. in Antwerp. Okay. I don't know what Castilic means, but Distiller book sounds like boss. Distiller's book. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then there's 
Hogarth's Gin Lane created in uh, seventeen fifty to fifty one. Uh, yeah, I don't know how see. much of that's the... important. Hmm? <laughs> I don't know how much of that's important. I just kinda, yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's see. There's a uh, but the mid seventeenth century, a number uh, the numerous small Dutch and Flemish distillers, some four hundred in Amsterdam alone by sixteen sixty three, uh, had popularized the redistillation of malt spirit or malt wine with juniper, anise. We're going with anise right? or or anise. It could go either way. Okay, caraway, coriander, etc., which were sold in pharmacies and used to treat such uh, medicinal problems such as kidney ailments, uh, lumbago, stomach ailments, gallstones, and gout. Why not? Obviously, sure. Also, uh, a good bleeding with leeches to cast the devil out of you. Heads up on this one, just just for future knowledge, alcohol is one of the components that breaks down to increase gout flares. Yeah, I was going to say like I feel like it's the worst <laughs> thing you could do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, gin emerged in uh, England in varying forms as early as the 17th century and at the time of the Restoration enjoyed a brief resurgence when William of Orange, ruler of the Dutch Republic, occupied the British throne with his wife, Mary, and uh, what has become known as the Glorious Revolution, gin became vastly more popular, particularly in, uh, particularly in crude inferior forms where it's more likely to be flavored with turpentine as an alternative to juniper. Ugh. Yeah, that sounds yep. that sounds lovely. Sounds awesome, yeah. Mm-mm. Uh, gin drinking in England uh, rose significantly after the uh, after the government allowed unlicensed liquor uh, gin production. At the same time, it imposed a heavy duty on all imported spirits. Uh, this created a market uh, for poor quality grain that would be known a, uh, as unfit for uh, brewing beer. Uh, and thousands of gin shops sprang up throughout England, a period known as the gin craze. Sounds more like a 1920s thing than it does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. Because of the relative price of gin uh, when compared with other drinks available at the same time, uh, in the same ge- geographic location, gin became uh, began to become uh, be consumed regularly by the poor. Of the fifteen thousand drinking establishments in London, that is a lot. Uh, not yeah. including coffee shops and drinking chocolate shops, uh, over half were gin shops. Jeez. Uh, beer maintained a healthy reputation as it was safer to drink than the brewed ale. Uh, safer to drink the brewed ale than the unclean water. Uh, gin, though, was blamed for various social problems and may have been a factor in the higher death rates, which uh, stabilized London's previously growing population. <laughs> gin, <laughs> helping stave off starvation for years. Yeah. Gin, here's to you, all, my, all you Malthusian economists. <laughs> uh, the so- reputation of the two drinks was illustrated by William Hogarth uh, in his engravings Beer Street and Gin Lane. Uh, uh, described by the BBC as arguably the most potent anti-drug posters ever conceived. Hmm. Uh, the negative reputation of Jill, gin survives today as the English lang- in the English language in terms like gin mills uh, or the American phrase gin joints to describe disreputable bars or gin soaks to refer to drunks. Yeah. Uh, mean... The epitaph Mother's Ruin is a common British name for gin, uh, this origin of which is a subject to ongoing debate. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I bet it would be. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, the Gin Act of 1736 imposed high tax on retailers and led to riots in the streets. Uh, the prohibitive duty was gradually reduced and finally abolished in 1742. The Gin Act of 1751 was more successful. However, it forced distillers to sell only to licensed retailers and bought gin shops under the jurisdiction of local magistrates. Uh, and gin of the 18th century was produced in pot stills and was somewhat sweeter than the London gin known today. So I'm feeling like we should do an episode based on uh, riots or uprisings <laughs> that were caused by alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> we get we get taught about the tea party. We don't get taught about uh, all these gin riots in, in college and high... Well, maybe in college, not in high school, though. Yeah, I think that would be a fascinating episode to do. Just, like, concentrate all of these events... To be like, no, Gen alcohol rights. has fueled many, many a social change. Gin rights, whiskey rebellions, mm-hmm. rampant crime, <laughs> tea parties. I Molly mean, hatchet. <laughs> so in London in the early 18th century, much gin was distilled legally in residential houses. There so were. It just kind of sounds like there's someone there going, "I have much gin for you <laughs> here in this market. Much gin. Much gin." Uh, they were estimated to be about 1,500 residential stills in 1726 and was offered flavored with turpentine to generate resinous woody notes in addition to the juniper. As late as 1913, Webster's Dictionary states, without further comment, common gin is usually flavored with turpentine. <laughs> <laughs> Another common variation was to distill in the presence of sulfuric acid. Although the acid itself does not distill, well, we didn't, they didn't put any of it in there. They just put it in the room and said, "Look, acid, you you watch this gin distill." <laughs> uh, it does, however, impart additional aroma of diethyl ether, yeah, diethyl ether to the resulting gin. Sulfuric acid subtracts one water molecule from the two ethanol molecules and creates a diethyl ether, which also forms an azotrope with ethanol and therefore distills with it. The sweeter, or the result is a sweeter spirit that may have possessed additional analgesic or even intoxicating effects. Hmm. Dutch or Belgian gin, also known as Geneva, spelled with a J or a G, evolved from malt wine spirits and is distinctly different from the drink that of later style gins. Uh, Skydom, a city in the province of South Holland, is the fame is famous for its Geneva producing history. The old style of Geneva remained very popular throughout the 19th century, where it was referred to as Holland or Geneva gin in popular American pre-prohibition bartender guides. Uh, we do still have a lot of uh, Holland gins, and yes, I say like Holland gin is still a thing. Oh yeah, Geneva gins here, yeah, um, probably. Most most likely because it's it's in those pre-prohibition guides. Mm-hmm. Um, the 19th century gave rise to a style of gin referred to as Old Tom Gin, which is a softer, sweeter style of gin, often containing sugar. Old Tom Gin faded in popularity by the early 20th century. Thank goodness. His <laughs> Collins remained. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, well, you know, whenever he he goes out and sees his uh, his brother's kids, they all just call him Uncle Tom. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on. Jeez. The invention of the development of the column still uh, in approximately early mid 1800s made distillation of neutral spirit practical. 
thus enabling the creation of the London dry style, which evolved later into the 19th century. In tropical British colonies, gin was used to mask a bitter flavor of quinine. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, which was the only effective anti-malarial compound. Uh, quinine... I need to get rid of malaria. Quick, bring me the gin. <laughs> yeah, bring me my malaria medication. <laughs> quinine was dissolved in carbonated water to form what even we drink now as being tonic water. The resulting cocktail is a GNT or gin and tonic. Wait, you're telling All... me if I drink enough gin and tonics, I can I can not get rid of malaria? So I will tell you right now that quinine used to be a medication you could go to your pharmacist and get. They It was discovered by the FDA to be one of these drugs that was never actually approved through the FDA, so they took it off the market <laughs> as a drug. So now whenever somebody's got malaria or something like that, you'll actually see a doctor write a prescription for tonic water. And and you, they just basically go out and say, go, go get a lot of tonic water and drink that because that's the only way to get quinine into the system for for that because you can't get the drug now unless somebody's researched it and, and took it through fda approval in like the last five years i um, would love to see a doctor just go like you go drink some more gin and tonics yeah i have liver disease you also have malaria and one of those is more important <laughs> <laughs> you, you can you can probably leave out the gin and just go with the quinine but you know it's very you try drinking straight tonic water it's disgusting <laughs> yeah you you the there's no fun in that uh now gin is a common base spirit for many mixed drinks. I really don't know why. Including the martini, secretly produced bathtub gin was available in the speakeasy at Blind Pigs of Prohibition Era America as a result of relative simple production. Blind Pigs being another type of thing that's not a speakeasy. Yep. Uh, yeah. Basically, what you would get with bathtub gin would not necessarily be gin. <laughs> it would just be liquor, but it was a lot easier just to call it gin and pretend you made it in your bathtub. Yes, and it was easy, I'm sure. To Gin has a lot of flavoring. You just pour some turpentine in there. and it, Yeah, it can kind of cover up some of the mistakes that you make. Um, now, slow gin is traditionally described as a liquor made from infusing slows. Well, that's just not right. Um, <laughs> the fruit of the black thorn in gin. Although modern versions almost always are compounded from neutral spirits and flavorings. Uh, not from actual gin. Similar fruit infusions are possible with other fruits such as damsons and beech plums. The National Geneva Museums are located in Hassault, Belgium, and Skydom in the, ne uh, the Netherlands. Since 2009, the second Saturday in June has been designated as World Gin Day. I don't know See, that. I always thought slow gin was just called that just because it, it poured slower when I did it. I, I always liked the slow gin fizz. That was my... You know, really fruit, fruit, go-to drink. Speaking of fruit, fruit drinks, <laughs> fruit, fruit. Uh, there are some. You do make a lot of cocktails with gin. Yeah. Uh, but I believe there was one during pre-show where a discussion came out that it is not a cocktail. Yeah. That involves I, gin. It's, it's a matter drinks. of how you want to define what yeah. a cocktail is. <laughs> if you're looking in the menu at a restaurant, it's going to call it a cocktail. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, our, a good rule of thumb is a cocktail is three ingredients. Two ingredients is an emergency. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, martinis are a gin drink, but vodka martinis have taken off more in popularity lately. Right. Gin and tonics. We mentioned that already. It's how you cure malaria. <laughs> uh, 
There's also the Negroni, which is not one I've actually ever had. I've oh, uh, so I like a good Negroni, but I've seen how to make them. I've just never, never had one myself. They are a very, very bitter drink. Um, mm. The 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 other ingredients that are in a Negroni, um, I think like one that. of them is like a a, a bitter liqueur. Mm, yeah, uh, let me pull it up. Yeah, while you're looking that up, there's also the Tom Collins, which you can make a lot of different kinds of Collins, which is kind of just like a kind of just sweet and sour mix with a some Sprite, some sort of lime juice and Sprite kind of, you know, whatever you want to use as your your thing there for your Collins mix. Not Sprite, soda water, sorry. Huh. But uh, in the case of if you want a Tom Collins, you're getting gin. My brain somehow occasionally confuses Tom Collins with Arnold Palmer. And so I always wondered why all these little kids are getting like trying to get hammered, and I go, "Oh wait, sorry, I have those backwards." <laughs> I'm glad, uh, glad you're no longer bartending on the I side. Mean, I mean, I wouldn't make. Yeah, like, I had to. I said, like, "Need a Tom Collins," and I go, "Yeah, all right." But there, there's occasionally like a, like a half second where I go, "Wait, what? Why do I need? You can make that. That's just lemonade and tea." <laughs> oh, oh, Tom Collins, not a. Not an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> uh, let's see, there's Gimlet's. It's a drink I know Casey has enjoyed a time or two. I love uh, a good amount of lime in my drink. So a Gimlet would be, I don't know, you could throw up a recipe somewhere around like, if you want it really good and strong, two and a half ounces of gin, half ounce of lime juice, and a half ounce of simple syrup. Um, garnish with a lime wheel in an up glass, maybe like a, a cocktail glass or a martini glass or old-fashioned glass. Yeah, and then there's also uh, one that I saw recently, which I've not not had before, but again, one of those I've seen how to make, and it's the uh, avia- uh, aviation. That's uh, It's on a recent Modern Rogue episode, but it is... Uh, I'm trying to get past a page so I can remember exactly what's on the... I can go ahead while you're looking at, uh, looking at that. There it uh, is. Negroni. Yeah. The Negroni oh, was uh, an ounce of gin, an ounce of sweet vermouth, and an ounce of Campari, which is like a, I think Campari is the grapefruit flavored, really bitter, 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 um, sweet hmm. cocktail. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in aviation, it's a uh, two ounces of gin. Uh, it's a maraschino liqueur, uh, a cream de violet, or uh, and lemon juice. Hmm. Nice. It's one of those like it, it'll get you drunk. <laughs> Indeed, it will. Um, I, I do want to add one in here that I had a few weeks ago at a speakeasy style bar, and so I thought it was a really, really appropriate for this type of drink since gin is, gin is a a speakeasy drink. Uh, uh, gin, gin was super popular during the 1920s. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, an ounce and a half of gin, um, a quarter or sorry, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. Three quarters of an ounce of uh, fresh lemon juice. Uh, you'll probably want to shake that in a shaker and uh, then pour it into maybe like a champagne flute and top it with about an ounce of champagne the rest of the way to the top. Garnish with a lemon pill. It's your French 75. Hmm. Hmm. French 75? Delicious. Hmm. And then uh, one of the last ones we have here in the dock is uh, the, the Singapore sling. <laughs> so. I know it by reputation and name only. Yeah, um, it's it's an older drink. Uh, it's got uh, get all the ingredients pulled up. Uh, I know it's got obviously gin, uh, quarter ounce of Cointreau, uh, 
four ounces of pineapple juice, about half ounce of li- uh, fresh lime juice, uh, half ounce of some sort of cherry liqueur, uh, third of an ounce of grenadine, and a couple dashes of bitters, and quarter ounce of um, Dom Benedictine. I'm not uh, Benedictine, it's an herbal liqueur. It's one I've never actually had to use, so I've never uh, actually had to make a... It's going to be... It's going to be diff. Uh, it's probably in most liquor stores, but it's not something that you want to keep necessarily in your yeah. your cabinet all the time. It's made from from here. It says twenty seven plants and spices, so yeah. very herbal. There's a reason the Singapore sling's not necessarily the as uh, as popular as it once was. Probably going to have a hard time going up to any any bar that's not based around these types of cocktails and finding yeah Benedictine places that are like you know super proud of their cocktail menu they they may not be able to to crack out all the stuff for a singapore sling but they can probably get by all right um let's have a list of some of the more common brands that you'll see today of of it and some of them are pretty obvious because you've got tangeray beef eater bombay and bombay sapphire you can find find some that's not sapphire uh, Plymouth and Hendrix are the ones we've got in the list, but there's tons of different types of gin. Uh, I always remember like the really crappy uh, well gin that we used to use uh, when I bartended. It was like a uh, uh, Ghibli's, <laughs> uh, and they didn't want our top display to have. At one point, they decided that our top display shouldn't have good liquor in it because people could get up there and steal it. So. Like you look up and they're like displaying Ghibli's gin. I'm like, come on, guys, no. <laughs> oh, let's just let's just put empty bottles up there. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. And can never convince them to take the time to to just let me keep some empty bottles so we could fill them up with something and put yeah, them up there. But put some water in them and put them back up there. But that that about does it for gin. Other than like you know, how do you guys usually feel about gin? I'm. Pretty uh, unfamiliar with gin. I mean, I've had it usually in a straight-up kind of fashion. I've had a few cocktails with it, but it's never the star of whatever I'm drinking. Yeah. Oh, there was one cocktail I didn't mention just because it 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 the you know gin is not the main main focus of that one, but it is in your lits, huh. your Long yeah. Island iced teas. See, and it's I saw that your... somewhere, and I was like, he was like, well, yeah, but everything is. So. <laughs> everything is. <laughs> It's it's whatever you can find in your in your liquor cabinet. Pretty much, that's like that one evening when uh, I was asked at a uh, young age to make a Long Island iced tea, and I just kind of looked behind me and just dumped everything that was in the bar <laughs> into a glass and splashed some Coke on it and said, "There you go." <laughs> and everyone's like, "What is this?" I was like, "I don't know. We'll call it a Long Island iced tea." <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, gin has never been one of my favorite liquors. Uh, I it. it tastes like pine cones to me usually uh depending on the brand you can find some that are maybe a little better than others but usually it's not been a thing i've been super super in love with i you know i don't have the same love with it as i do with whiskey yeah yeah i as as we talked before the show i'm i'm rather ambivalent toward gin um i had i've had a gin and tonic and it was fine and then i've had um like the the local brewery here, Mad Tree has a 
a Kolsch that's what aged in gin barrels. Yeah, and that yeah. is delicious. That's, and it has some juniper to it, but it's not you know it's not crazy. There's a lot. It's a ni- it's a nice light beer with a bit of the juniper taste it's and the lift Kolsch, which if you made it out yeah. to uh, the jury in your house meetup. You probably had a lift at the insistence of Justin. <laughs> really? We're gonna bring that up. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a, yeah. that's a really good beer, and it's, no, it is. I don't. It's uh, the Kolsch isn't uh, the lift isn't the one that's got the juniper in it though. Uh, it's something else they have. The beer is called June. June, June is the one that they actually yeah. aged. They took the they took lift and aged it in yeah. gin barrels, yeah. and they yeah. put it out and, and called uh, it June. The, the June is actually really good. Like I, I yeah. didn't think I would like something aged in in gin barrels like that, but it, it was quite it good. worked yeah, really it, well for that beer. It really opened my mind up to what you can do with some of these other barrel aging things. Yeah. And now I mean the whole industry has seen that. I'm not you're not seeing a lot of like gin barrel aged beers. Uh, I think they're drifting more towards uh, tequila and rum barrels. I think the hot thing this year is going to be rum barrel aged beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's your, the biggest problem. And the reason why whiskey aged beers are so easy to get, or specifically bourbon barrel aged beers, not you just whiskey. Use it once. You can only use it once. And then yeah. that barrel goes to a brewery and they can use it however many times they want to. With gin, you can reuse the barrels if you even put it in the barrel at all. Some, right. some places don't even barrel aged their gin um same thing with rum it doesn't have to be barrel aged um and it, even if it is you you can reuse it so right. it's going to be a lot harder for some places to get rum barrels or gin barrels and so that's that's why you won't see it ever blow up the size of bourbon barrel aging but you may see a, a peak in it yeah okay. but mm, okay i think that pretty much does it for for gin unless there's anything else we want to mention about it I'm good. Uh, cool. Yeah, I've got nothing else to add, so I believe that means it's time to talk about what we are drinking. All right. Drink with me, friend. I am actually having a beer this time. I, I oh. just I thought about doing a tea thing because I'm starting not to feel amazing, and I had a tea just before the show. But at some point, that's probably going to be more of a thing. Um, but this is from a, a local brewery. Uh, it's called it's from Listerman in Cincinnati. The beer is called Brewer's Delight, so it's one of their uh, IPA hip hop series beers that they're releasing. I said a hip hop, hip hop, don't stop. <laughs> yes, uh, so it's an East Coast IPA, seven point one percent ABV. Uh, nowhere did I see anything about IBUs, um, and then of course it's it's it just came out, so there's really no rate beer score yet. Well, it's super local too. Like yeah, there yeah. were a hundred and twenty cases total right. in the production run and there has to be so many ratings on rate beer for there to be a, a general score but um so we got the the description um from the brewer's site is it's an east coast ipa brewed with pineapple galaxy citra and zythos hops yep. um and you can taste it it I'm, i've been burping up pineapples for a good hour now no and- i love that that <laughs> i'm fine with it it is. It tastes like straight pineapple juice in yeah. the best way possible. It's, it's a nice. Mm. It looks like it looks like straight pineapple juice. It's a hazy IPA, and it's it's very delightful. And it's not, but it's not a um, a very. It's not like that acidic pineapple taste that you would get sometimes, um, if you're just having like you know you can actually drink pineapple juice. Uh, it's just this nice light flavor with a pineapple tone to it. So, but um, I really mm. like it. And then you know. I'm a big fan of the Galaxy and Citra hops. Uh, it's the first time I've heard of the other one, but um, 
yeah, I, I'd recommend it for anybody who has an ability to get it. If you have the means. Yeah. If you have the means. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm drinking to episode, and I'm not having a beer. I'm having uh, some Renal's gin. Uh, it's it's a it's a gin I've had in my apartment. I bought on I bought you know on a sale forever ago. Uh, so it's just been just sort of chilling in my apartment. I had to blow dust off this thing. I'll do it that way. <laughs> Um, but it's the usual, you know, it's 40% IBV, you know, a, uh, ABV. So, you know, 80 proof or whatever, but it's, uh, of all the gins I've had, it's the one that I can, I can kind of, you know, keep drinking on. It's of all the gins in all the world. <laughs> it, it had to be at least palatable to me. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't, I don't care for gin that much. It, it usually, like, again, it tastes like pine cones to me but this one has a few other flavors going on in there so it's not quite as uh jenny uh, yeah maybe <laughs> but it, it's a london it's a london dry gin oh, okay. so maybe that's also part of it too hmm. so at least your your taste in gin is very very refined that's right yeah <laughs> all right well i am drinking to untapped uh, I am not drinking to episode. Keeping with my usual theme, uh, as we discussed in pre-show, it was like, no, I, I drink what I want. I'll drink to episode if it's no, about you, whiskey. you purposely avoid drinking to episode. Yeah, a lot of times. Sometimes it seems like it. Yeah. Unless it's whiskey-based, and then eh, I'm going to drink some whiskey. Uh, I'm drinking the Milk Stout Nitro from Left Hand Brewing. Uh, it is a nitro milk stout. Six uh, percent ABV. You don't taste any alcohol in it. Like it, it could be four percent is what it, because of the nitro. IBUs non-existent really. Uh, rate beer score though on this one ninety five out of or like ninety five overall ninety five to style. So you usually don't see the scores that close. Yeah. But unless they're really good. And it's I mean, as far as nitros go, I think this one was one of the beers that kind of set the standard for a nitro stout. Yeah, it's like a, a favorite for the for anyone who's on the stout train. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the, the brewery's description on this one, this English style of beer, also known as a sweet stout or cream stout, first appeared in London in the late 1800s. The early brewers touted the health benefits of the milk sugar in this beer, which today relates mainly to the increased amount of calories no real health benefits, mm. sorry. The milk sugar adds a well-rounded sweetness to this dark beer and makes it an outstanding year-round stout, and it is. Mm. I've got to say, I always love it. Um, one of my first beers, and probably be one of my last as well. Not this, <laughs> not, not <laughs> this one right now, mind. but in the end, I'm sure. Excellent. So, I did not go to style, but I did go with a cocktail because I figured why not. And you could probably replace this uh, gin and this drink with no problem whatsoever. I wanted you to because I, I, I wanted to see what that would taste like. This is the and one I you were no... drinking yesterday, isn't it? Uh, yes. Okay, he sent us a yes. video of making one of these yesterday on St. Patrick's Day that yeah. was just a delightful to watch. <laughs> I had, uh, had had a few before I made the video and I was like, this would be fun. So, um, 16 ounce shaker pint. You want to add about two ounces of rum, an entire lime sliced up. Uh, I do yeah. like the lime wedges, like mm. six lime wedges. Staving um, off and, the scurvy. Yeah. 
at least two mint sprigs. I went probably a little bit further. I, I just tore off the top of an entire bunch of mint. Now, did you did you muddle it or did you slap the mint? <laughs> no, I did not spank the mint. Um, I just put it in a glass. I didn't have a muddler, so I used. Yes, you uh, did. I got no. you one. Well, no, no, no. I, I should have brought that on travel. Where I'm, I'm out of the house right now. Oh, I don't have right. any. You should have. Uh, that is your. That is that is the reason you have it. Yeah, it's true. It's a travel travel drink tool. Um, so uh, you know, I use like a knife to kind of chop it up and 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 squish the limes as much as possible toward the bottom. But a muddler is perfect for that. Um, you all also muddle in about two ounces of a simple syrup. Add ice on top of that. Um, you can stir that up if you want at that point, but uh, you've probably done a little bit of stirring from the uh, muddling. But top it off with, uh, so in this part of the country, it's from Michigan, but it's a sparkling water that hasn't got anything else added to it except for a flavoring. And it's really good. It's called LaCroix. Love um, it. <laughs> what's that? Love it. I had a grapefruit Love one the it. other day. Yeah, so the pomplamoose are the grapefruits, really probably the number one flavor that goes all around. Um, they've got passion fruit, uh, coconut. I made a pina colada too. with only pineapple juice and coconut. Did uh, you get caught in the rain? No, no, no. no. Um, but this one you want to top it off with. You can top it off with any flavor of LaCroix, but this one specifically, it's the cucumber blackberry sparkling water from LaCroix, and it is delicious. I have to find this. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's uh, it comes in like the tall twelve ounce cans oh. and comes in the eight packs. So check that out. It's delicious though. It's really good. Um, stir it up a little bit because you, otherwise you get like no no sweetness other than the Lacroix on top. Uh, but you don't want to shake that. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, you could easily play, replace that with gin, honestly. Um, yeah, especially with the cucumber. I think that would actually go really well. Yep, huh. lime, cucumber, mint, all those flavors go really well with gin. Yeah. So. Botanical sauce. Yep. So, I guess it's anybody else have anything else? Uh, no, no. I think that's. Okay. I think we learned a lot about gin today, actually, because I didn't know half. Of yeah, this. I didn't know before we started <laughs> this. Either. I was not very familiar with gin. Gin was not high on my radar, and now now I'll be looking out to try some new gins. So, in the meantime, while you're out there trying to find some new gins, you can subscribe and get some other great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and please rate the show on iTunes and help spread the word. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Uh, use the email address at feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, you can also use the feedback page on the website. All right, guys. Yeah, all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. That's always important. We will end every episode from now on with that. Mm. Just just throwing that out there. All right. Um, so check us out in another couple of weeks for the next audio episode. And again, check us out Sunday, March 26th for the next video episode live at DiamondClub.tv. That's going to be for the Stone IPA pack. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.